there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the 1% Better Podcast. Thank you for checking this one out. Um, I'll keep the intro short this week. Uh, just a couple of call-outs. I released a solo effort uh, last weekend talking about just the last few weeks, or I suppose, in my life and... Um, things I've learned, um, how meditation has been very beneficial um, and also the dry 18 journey, the things I learned from that as well. So maybe check that one out. It's 30 or so minutes long. Feedback has been quite positive and the solo shows are proving to be relatively popular. So I will continue to do some of them in, in season three, which will be starting uh, in the next few weeks or so. And on that topic, again, touch on it in the solo show, I've already recorded about eight or nine episodes for season three, um, just two very interesting ones in the last week, one with a, a plastic surgeon from Beverly Hills uh, in Hollywood, very interesting learnings I've taken from that one, and also another Hollywood connection, Greg Herman, who has a company called House of Herman, where he makes handbags and other fashionable items, fascinating guy, and story that he's shared and lessons that he's learned so both of those fall under the the one percent better category and i look forward to sharing them in season three that's just two so i mentioned i'm wrapping up season two soon enough i have probably this episode and one more to to go and then i'll take a few weeks off to, to continue recording new shows for season three next week's episode is one i recorded at the start of this week with a very interesting gentleman his name is joseph mcguire he's released a book just late last year called face facts and he has 30 years experience reading the face and the information that can be gained and leamed from that is quite astounding we did a video recording it'll be a podcast audio but i will put up the video part of him actually giving my face a reading i was probably sleep deprived at the time but he was still able to identify certain elements or aspects that rang through or true even for me so i was very interested to see what he picked up on that and He's a very, very interesting guy. And we're going to give a free copy of his book away with the episode next week. So do listen out for that. As always, I really appreciate you listening, engaging, giving feedback through any of the social platforms. I get a lot of feedback through LinkedIn on One Minute Monday videos, which will um, continue over the next number of weeks. No, no point stopping those because they're they're very useful, beneficial, and I learn a lot from putting them together as well. So, so keep engaging, keep letting me know what's going well and what ideas you might have to help me improve for season three i'm always asking folks to do that one thing i will ask that i haven't for a while leave some ratings on itunes not because i want to get up the itunes charts because i think they're pretty much gamed as it is uh, google gaming of itunes charts if you're interested but i do want to get feedback through that and it, again it does help when they're higher up it's more that more people see it it's not a vanity thing i just want more people to connect in with the show and listen to it so itunes charts or apple podcasts leave some ratings or reviews there that would be very beneficial and just again tell folks about it and connect in and yeah it's always good when you do that so i did say this would be a short intro but probably not that short okay this week's episode is with a guy called doug buckingham and he has a very interesting career he works in hypnosis past life regression therapy sound healing reiki or reiki 
relationship work and we recorded it nearly a year ago believe it or not and it's my bad for not putting it out before now we kind of lost the files at one point and found them again so had it in the queue listen to it back recently while i was editing it if you're a believer of past lives and that you've lived previous lives we talk a lot about his approaches and techniques to tap into that and it certainly can help for those that have that, those sort of feelings to unlock or to relieve them in many different ways the examples he talks about not only for himself but for some of his patients is very eye-opening so i would hope you enjoy it check it out i'll have links to doug in the show notes it is you know one percent better in areas that is a little bit different but hypnosis seems to work for a lot of people past life regression therapy might be something you haven't heard of before now but you'll uh, hopefully get something from that the different types of healing he uses i hadn't heard from some of them before color therapy practices one sound healing with crystals and pyramids talking about the chakras and sound frequencies very powerful very interesting lots of book recommendations in there as well doug's a really interesting character check him out online so i hope you enjoy it tell a friend Um, maybe reach out to Doug if you want to get your own readings done I'm sure he'd be delighted to talk with you and let him know where you heard of him through the podcast that would be sweet so there you go I'll leave it have a great weekend enjoy the podcast and catch you next week take care good luck in this episode I always I always look for guests that uh, can bring I suppose new perspectives to the show and when I was able to interface and connect with uh, my guest this evening i was taken by i suppose a lot of the modalities or, or skills or, or qualifications that uh, that you you have and um, i'm looking forward to hearing about some of those so with no with no further ado i'm welcoming doug buckingham to the show doug thanks for taking the time out to talk to me well thanks very much for inviting me rob i'm uh, delighted to be here so doug on your website uh solutions for the mind body and soul the the topic of this podcast is one percent better so it's really trying to help people get better one percent or more and the idea of solutions and for for every part of you uh certainly fit what type of solutions are we talking about well i really work with a lot of everyday issues um that's what it comes down to whether they're physical mental emotional Um, Typical scenarios revolve around relationships where people seem to have a lot of issues, relationships that aren't working, absence of relationships. Money is a big topic that I work with. Um, Also where generally probably if I had to sum up what people come to me for, it's because they're stuck in an aspect of their life. They're unable to move forward for some reason that, you know, they can't push through. And the the summary of what I do is that I work with subconscious patterns. I work with the unconscious and I do that through hypnosis, regression and a series of other complementary therapies. The area of what you call or what was what is called past life regression. I'm very fascinated about that. Uh, I had a guest on the show last year and I think uh, her, the title or, or one of her skills was clear audience. I don't know if you've yep, heard of so. that. Um, so we, we kind of had an interesting conversation around that. So the past life stuff would, would be good. I'm interested to know, is hypnosis the kind of basis that you have to have in, in what you do to, I suppose, as a foundation? Are, are, are all these other qualifications and skills on top built on top of that or are they interdependent? No, I mean, they're really interdependent. But um, 
you know, the very nature of the word interdependent means they kind of flow into each other. Um, So, you know, there's no must haves. Um, You know, hypnosis is a is a skill which I, you know, for me on a personal level has been a godsend and on a professional level. also, it's, you know, it's really helpful. Um, But, uh, you know, everything that I do, you know, I don't really, you know, people come to me for, you know, sometimes they come for a past life regression. Sometimes they come for a hypnosis session. Sometimes they come for Reiki. um, And sometimes they just come because there's a problem. Mostly they just come because there's a problem. And I don't actually know where I'm going a lot of the time until we actually until they actually arrive. And then, you know, it could be a number of different things that I do or ways in which I work with them. Hmm. Okay, very, very good. Good uh, Good to know the, the interdependency piece as well. Yeah, a lot of people do get attracted to past life regression, though. It's a little bit of a, a neon sign kind of flashing in the uh, in the near distance for a lot of people. It's it's a very interesting subject. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to di- diving into it a little bit more. And, and I'm obviously attracted to neon signs that flash past life <laughs> regression. What, what does that say about the type of person, I suppose, that... Um, gets attracted towards that do you think is there, a, is there a pattern in the type of person i see all sorts of people um there are you know those who are spiritually minded those who are on a what we might call a journey of the soul or a journey of discovery of the self typically get attracted to that at some point um but um you know, I I was I did a video, a little two minute video on YouTube towards the end of um, last year, 2017. And I I'd suddenly realized that I've seen in the previous three months amongst all the clients I'd seen, I'd seen people from 12 different faiths and about half of those faiths don't have a belief in reincarnation. They'd come because they had a problem in their life. And, you know, a few of them were quite desperate with you know that was the point they reached and they they've reached out to the uh you know to the end of the pier as it were where the past life regression therapist was sitting and um that was you know that was their next attempt in a solution so there's i get a lot of business people i get a lot of spiritually minded people typically my clients are female um females seem to be more open i'm generalizing of course females seem to be more open to this kind of thing typically females between the age of about 30 and 55 but there's you know all sorts of people lovely people wonderful people that that come on top of that but that that would be my my standard you know if somebody said to me right your typical customer that would be it it's and, and these the typical person who's coming is looking for something they're looking for a little bit more in their life they're curious about the bigger picture of life and they've generally they've got a problem that needs a solution okay very good so i, I like to jump into the delorean and uh back in time a little bit and uh the flux capacitor is ramped up there so um when you were a young uh Doug buckingham growing up was it, it obviously wasn't uh past life regression that was uh what you were dreaming to become an expert in was it funnily enough no <laughs> uh, but there, there was a little uh, there was a little seed of it flowing through my life when i grew up i desperately wanted to be a pilot Okay. I read books, um, you know, as a young kid, I read, uh, I don't know whether you're familiar with it, but Biggles books. I mm-hmm. read books about flying. I read all sorts of fiction and nonfiction books that I could find around flying until about the age of, I think, about 12 when I read the story of Douglas Bader, 
who was um, a pilot in the Second World War who ended up having a crash prior to the Second World War and had his legs amputated. And that completely put me off flying. Um, the real, ugh, that triggered something in me which was quite beyond the, um, the normal realm of um, logic. But anyway, so I, I grew up wanting to be a pilot. And then um, after about that, I kind of figured I wanted to be a journalist. And then when I sort of got to about 17 or 18, and I all respect to journalists, but I realized that it was quite a challenging profession in many, <laughs> many aspects. I, um, I fell into, um, I really fell into it. I ended up working for a shipping company in London. Um, I did for about 17 years. But the, the, the pilot story is interesting because I'd always had a fascination. I'd had model aeroplanes on my ceiling. My dad had helped me paint these little airfix models. And lo and behold, a whole bunch of years later, what do I discover? But I actually had um, a past life in the war as a pilot. Wow. Okay. And I was going to ask, was your, was your dad in, in, in aviation in pre previously? But okay. Well, but I was. <laughs> so I think I can't obviously skip over that without asking, yeah. how did you find that out? How did you figure that out? Well, when I got into shipping, one of the things that I had to do when I became a little bit successful in it was that I had to travel. And I had to travel to um, Greece on a regular basis and a few other countries on a regular basis. And the first time I ever flew to Greece... Um, I was about 21 at the time, and I had the most awful flight coming back. Literally, the plane was being thrown around the sky um, in a storm, and it was a thoroughly unpleasant experience, and it, it shook me up. And over the years, I started to develop a fear of flying. And at some point, I can't quite remember, I'm going to guess say it was the late 20s, I started refusing to fly to my job. I got to a point where I could be sufficiently uh, dogmatic about the whole thing and good enough at my job to say, no, I'm not flying anymore. I was scared. Um, and then I sort of started to get myself over it a bit with the help of alcohol and flying, you know, with a few, um, a few wines in the bar beforehand or beers, whatever it was at the time. Um, and that got me through flights. Um, but I really didn't enjoy it. And um, funnily enough, when I gave up shipping and I what I did was I had a it's a long story, which I won't tell here, but I, I ended up giving up my job, which was completely counter logical, selling my house, selling my car and going traveling for two and a half years. Um, funnily enough, as soon as I gave up that job, I started enjoying flying immensely. And I just I, I thought nothing of it. Um, but um when I was doing my past life regression therapist training a few years after that, I kept driving past an airport, a little um, little commercial flight airport, uh, small small planes anyway. And each time I drove past that airport or airfield, I should say, it triggered something in me which brought up a fear and reminded me of my fear of flying. And so when I got to my past life regression training, I really had this fear in me. And that was what I I worked on where did this fear of flying come from, although it wasn't a... And what I discovered was that I was in the First World War and I was originally throwing leaflets over the side of my plane and they were propaganda leaflets were, which were delivered to the Germans saying, give up the war, you can't possibly win it. And at some point during the war, um, they ran out of pilots or I got forced into basically flying a, um, a fighter plane, yeah? And at that point, I ended up getting shot down. 
And um, my version of that was that while I was doing a proper job, if you like, that was the that was where the fear came in. And that was related to flying planes and killing people. Prior to that, I'd really quite enjoyed flying when I was just chucking leaflets over the side. It wasn't it was a pleasure. And I, I love flying today. So it was a little bit slightly convoluted story, but it all very much tied in for me. And when I had this regression of where I crashed my plane and died in the First World War, um, you know, since then, flying's been an absolute delight. Wow. And what, did you work through that? I suppose we can talk about how maybe you kind of worked through that process. But why do you think for the number of years you were okay flying and then the the, the pain or the, the fear started to emerge after a certain period of time. Was that just because of the, the stresses and strains of the job? I think the stresses and strains of the job brought it up and the fact that it was, you know, being serious about it. Whereas, you know, when I'd been chucking leaflets over the side of the plane, I was having fun. So I think stresses and strains. And I also think another thing that comes up in regression is sometimes age, sometimes critical ages kind of trigger trigger you. Like if you've had an incident in a past life at the age of 33 and all of a sudden you hit 33 in the current life, then perhaps something comes up in your subconscious or your psyche. I've seen that a number of times before. Okay. So so just maybe on on your your career in the, in, in the working within the shipping company, um, you said you just up sticks. That decision must have been coming for a while, was it? Was it building up? Was there a, a sense that there was more to life than this? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. There must be more to life. I was on the face of it. I was, um, you know, I was in a very good relationship. I had a really good job. I had a really nice house. I had a company car, and um, I wasn't happy. <laughs> there was something inside me saying there must be more to life and um i um i had a client whose mum was a medium uh, and she used to hold séances and stuff and i used to have to entertain this client um once a month so we used to go out for a few beers and he used to tell me stories of what his mum was up to and for me this was just absolutely fascinating i i loved hearing these stories of what his mum was doing and um he started to tell me books to read, and I started reading books about ancient civilizations and the connection between Egypt and the pyramids in Egypt and the pyramids in Mexico and pyramids elsewhere and kind of how ancient civilizations could have been linked. And I started reading books about Reiki healing and all of this sort of stuff, and it, it kind of opened up my awareness. And I went on holiday with my steady girlfriend to Machu Picchu in Peru. And when I sat down at Machu Picchu, something happened within me. Um, and I still don't really know what that was. But um, I suddenly realized that I couldn't carry on living the way I was. Um, I couldn't carry on the path that my life was likely to go. And I had to um, break up with the girlfriend, quit my job and move into a new space. Now, over the period of the next 12 months, I did exactly that. Um, but it was really, you know, a combination of things. Um, but Machu Picchu triggered me into a new, a new way of life. So it had been coming for a while when I quit my job. Yeah. Okay, and it came to a head then. So when when you quit, sold up, you said you were travelling for a couple of years. Can you maybe talk me through some of the things that you went through on that journey that maybe stand out that helped figure out where? So when you started that journey, did you know then? what your purpose was or where you were headed no i didn't have a clue um it was really i knew i had to go to south america 
and I spent, um, well, Central America and South America, and I spent eight months in um, Central America and South America. I just read a book called The Celestine Prophecy. And I don't know whether you ever read it, but it's about kind of following your intuition. And so I traveled around Costa Rica in a four-wheel Jeep that I'd hired at the time, simply following my intuition. And I came across all sorts of fabulous people. I came across a white witch. I came across a shaman. I came across a you know, guy who was writing a book on this and that. And I really kind of followed that journey of just not really knowing where I was going. Um, but, you know, trusting myself and, you know, I ended up traveling around South America and Central America for eight months, went up to North America and then ended up spending about six months in Africa and living for a year in Australia. Um, and I came in Australia. Um, I met a girl who was a medium and, you know, I, I quite um, I quite liked her and she didn't like me. But I like the fact that she would um, talk about these things sort of quite openly in front of people. So I came back to London at the end of that thinking I need to get my chakras fixed. And that led me to a place called the College of Psychic Studies, where I ended up doing a, a two year course in healing. Um, and I had a, a monkey on my back that I smoke cigarettes um, and I've been trying to stop for about two years and I could stop for about three months. I could stop for about six weeks. And that enabled me to find a hypnotherapist. Um, and that was how I discovered hypnosis um, by going to stop smoking. And it fascinated me, the fact that I could stop smoking just like that through hypnosis when I've been trying to stop for two years already. So that led me to start studying hypnosis and led me on my journey, really. But when I came back to London, I, as I say, I started studying spiritual healing. I started learning Reiki. I started learning hypnosis. I did something called theta healing. All of these things suddenly engulfed me. And I wasn't really doing it as a career. I'd never thought of it as a career, particularly. Um, I was doing it for me for my personal growth at the time. Mm. A couple of things you said there are kind of uh, interesting for me. Um, the intuition thing, I'm, uh, I always talk about that on the show as well. This time last year, I think I was, before we came on, I was telling you about my kind of yearly, monthly challenge, yearly challenge of not uh, drinking beer. Mm. Every month I try to do a, a, a challenge, a personal challenge, whatever it might be. Last year, one of the months I took um, intuition of following my intuition as best as i can consciously for for the whole month and uh and, and let it make go with it for decision making and whatnot um quite quite an interesting month for sure and, and then you mentioned when you talked about the uh the traveling south america you mentioned a, a witch and a, and a shaman weirdly um i have on my list of guests that i want to try and connect with for this season's show uh, is a is a is a witch and and a shaman which uh kind of freaks me out a little bit that you're reading my mind or have logged into my computer some somehow and uh you'll be the my... first i've no idea how to hack a computer yeah no no it's it's just funny so the book the celestine proper property prophecy prophecy yeah. okay um I, it's an old book now it's 20 years old 25 years old it's you know, it's about that's that's part of it. Following your intuition. It's it's an interesting little read. If you've never read it, then hmm. do pick it up because it's um, you know, it's um, it's simple stuff, but it's good stuff. Cool. I'll add it to the list. I have a page building for the website about just book recommendations because everybody on the show normally gives one, um, which is cool. Do you think? Do you think you have to be a specific type of person to be 
opened to to the hypnosis to a lot of the the methods or approaches that you've taken on board or are certain people just shut down are the chakras not not open does that matter well hypnosis is really that doesn't really matter hypnosis is really about um working with the subconscious mind and you know we all have a subconscious mind um it's in operation um you know, throughout our lives. It's what gets us up in the middle of the night when our bladder's full and tells us we need to go to the toilet. It's what regulates our breathing. It's what, you know, regulates our blood pressure. It does lots of things in the background. Um, and um, that's what hypnosis is about. It's about getting into the subconscious mind, which is normally where the problems are. Because when someone's got a problem, if they want to stop smoking and they try for two years and can't stop smoking, um, that means their conscious mind, their willpower is not really getting them where they want to go. So the problem's a bit deeper. Um, and so what happens in hypnosis is that when someone comes along, the hypnosis is basically relaxing and it enables the brainwave cycles to slow down. Normally when we're talking like this, we're in beta state. Um, when the brainwaves slow down, we move into something called alpha state and then perhaps theta state when we start to relax. Uh, and that's the goal because then the subconscious mind becomes more open and receptive to new possibilities. Um, the same thing happens when we daydream, we go into a slight trance state. The same thing happens just as we're going to bed at night. It's actually called the hypnagogic state where we're kind of half awake, half asleep. You know, if the cat next door knocks over a dustbin lid, then you kind of think, ah, oh, you hear the noise, but you're not really bothered by it. Um, these kind of trance states are actually an everyday reality. If you, you know, if you're someone who comes home from work at night and just slumps down in front of the TV, then you kind of go into a trance state. Mm -hmm. your, your mind switches off, but your subconscious is working, which is why advertisers pay a fortune to advertise on the TV. Um, so, so everyone can experience hypnosis in theory because we're all, we're all going in and out of similar states several times during the day. The only person really who's not able to experience hypnosis is the person who doesn't want to be. Yeah. And sometimes you get them. I met a fellow I was on holiday last week and I met a fellow on holiday. He said uh, he was South African. He said, I met this hypnotist and I really I really wasn't willing. I really wasn't able to. And it, it didn't work. And I said, well, that's exactly why it didn't work. <laughs> you didn't want to. We kind of have to give permission and play along um, to be able to go into a hypnotic state. So, you know, in theory, it can work with everybody so long as they're willing. Mm. How do they connect or how does hypnosis and the, the concepts of, of meditation, mindfulness overlap or, or, or are they the same sort of thing? I think it's very similar. We're, you know, we're slowing down the brainwaves. We're becoming more mindful. Traditionally, hypnosis um, is a little bit more structured than some meditations. And I say some meditations because there's probably about 300 thousand forms of meditation out there now some are very sort of free-flowing and some have structure um but you know there's not much difference between what the principle is which is letting the brainwaves slow down and moving into that slightly ordered state of consciousness okay cool yeah meditation again is something that i've got into a lot over the last three or four years and talked to people that 
do a lot of it and practice it and, and teach it on the show so it's uh it's good to know their the similarities so yeah let, let's talk a minute, a bit more maybe about the past life therapy then yes. um and and i suppose your approach or how it works or, or you know even how somebody can figure out if they actually had that past life and how they can identify what it actually was like well one of the biggest questions that i get um is is this real is this a reality and uh, you know it's always good to have that question to talk about that there is you know i'd say about somewhere between 25 and 30 percent of the world's population that have it as part of their culture there's a billion or so hindus on the planet there's four or five hundred million buddhists um you know there's a substantial um portion of of europeans 20 25 percent of europeans apparently believe in reincarnation so you know there's a belief system out there um, there's a few different thoughts still or theories as to whether it's real or not. Some people say it's, you know, it's really it's some form of ancestral memory. Some somehow these these memories of other lives are passed down through the DNA of our ancestral line. Some people say that when we go into what we believe is a past life experience, it's really the subconscious mind making up a story for what our conscious mind can't address in the current life. The Swiss um, psychologist Carl Jung came up with a theory of the collective unconscious that held the memories of everyone who ever lived. And some people say that when we're going into what we call a past life, we're going into the collective subconscious and we're trying on a, a life, almost like a suit of clothes. Um, and some people, of course, believe in reincarnation. Um, what I'd say is all of those things are true. What I think is the reality, because I've seen them all, I've seen versions of those um, happen in front of me. What I'd say is the the underlying commonality between all of those theories and any un other theory you like is that there's a story sitting in the subconscious mind which is real within that person's psyche. And that's what matters. So what we do really is we find out the story that's relating to the problem at hand. We help them become aware of that story. And then we unravel or reframe that story in whatever way is appropriate to that person. Now, whether that story is real or not in the history books doesn't entirely matter. What matters is it's real in their psyche and it's affecting their life at this moment in time. Mm. I'm just digesting a lot of that, and uh, what's going what's going on for me? Uh, I suppose a few things come up. So, so for your example, the the the, the pilot back, yep. uh, or your reality, I suppose, was that that person was would there have had to be any connection ancestrally to that person? You said in some ways that's there. Is it? Does it matter? And and even for you, was there any way of kind of verifying if that person existed or tracking? that that at all few questions there sorry for me no i mean you know a skeptic could could make the um could make the argument that i'd read that in a book when i was about 11 or 12 and i'd imprinted that into my subconscious and i'd carried that fear around with me valid argument that i'm not gonna dismiss for me the experience within the regression was something which i perceived as a reality um Ancestrally, I doubt, because none of my family um, were in the Air Force. Um, so that, for me, is a no-no. 
Um, but um, the other two are possibilities. Um, I have ha worked with people who can find their past lives by going on Google afterwards. I don't generally push for names and dates, but sometimes they come out. Uh, you know, I've had a Titanic um, person, a, a victim on the Titanic. I had a, a person a few years ago who came along with, um, it was panic attacks basically was the issue. And um, that person was particularly nervous and as we started to go into the regression aspect, she was on a big ship. And she was on a big ship. Um, it was dark. She was a little girl. Um, and um, that big ship hit an iceberg. Now, I, at this point, I'm really careful not to put... Plant <clears> things <throat> in, yeah. ...to lead in any way. Yeah. Um, but what I did do at some point during the regression... Um, you know, finding out who she was wasn't really the focus of it. It was more to help with the anxiety and to, you know, work around that. But at some point I said, what do they call you? Right. And she gave me her name. Wow. Uh, and when the regression was over, we Googled it. Right. Um, and the she'd, name... been, she'd been quite deep in trance, but we Googled it and it came up on the list of dead on the Titanic. Wow. God. It was very evidential. <clears throat> Oh, wow, that's interesting. Fortunately, she didn't really want to go into that, um, having that published in any way. So, okay, um, of course. So yeah. story published, but uh, that wasn't where she was at for a number of different reasons. Mm. You know, I've got a few other, you remember I did a, a group workshop a bunch of years ago, one of the first ones that I did. And, um, you know, one of my friends who was sitting in the group workshop went to this place in Africa and she was in, I think it was, um, I think she called it Abyssinia, so modern day Ethiopia. And um, she said, well, I seem to have had this life in this place called whatever it was called in Abyssinia. So I'd never heard of it. So she went home, Googled it, and there it was. You know, she actually found it on Google Maps. And it had looked on the pictures that she'd found. It had looked like she'd described it in the uh, from the regression experience. And I've had a number of similar things, which are co collaborative. Is that the right word? Or... Um, you can find them. You can find a bit of evidence for them. Wow. Um, it's fascinating just even hearing those sort of stories. Has there been any examples that have gone connected way, way back, like thousands of years in their previous past life, or, or has it all, always been a bit more recent? Does that even come into it? Yeah, I've had a few, um, not for a while, but I've had a couple of, I would say, whether they're cavemen or whether they're just from about four or five, six thousand years ago, more earlier, earlier man. I've had a, you know, certainly Middle Ages um, is quite common going back into um, loosely around the time of Jesus um, is quite a, you know, that that happens. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, two, three thousand years. It's it's not unusual. Hmm. Interesting. Is there any anything like a future life? I don't know. It's not regression, or is there anything where people could almost have a life that happened in the future, or does that continue? Can timeline continuum come into play? Well, let's call it progression. Yeah, progression is probably a good word for it. And you know, there are people who practice. Um, I think they call it future life progression. I'm not sure. Um, I, I take the view that you know, 
time is a concept that we have on this planet. You know, we're bound by the reality of time. However, outside of this planet, time doesn't really exist. So sometimes I wonder in some of the weirder and wackier past lives that people go into, whether they're actually something in the future rather than the past. Um, I tend to think of them as other lives rather than past lives necessarily. Um, so, yeah, I never, you know, I'm not... I'm kind of focused on people's issues that they're working with rather than the reality for 95% of the time. Um, so I'm not, I'm not checking dates or anything, but I, I have no doubt that people access future lives as well as past lives. Okay. So once the person identifies that past life and uh, is, does that pretty much always be the, the blocker for whatever is actually holding them back in some ways is, is it easy easy to fix after that yeah really what we're looking at is getting close if you think of let, let's take a, an arbitrary number let's say you've had 100 past lives rob so um, again sticking with the arbitrary numbers let's say 70 or 80 of them are all fine and finished and um, let's call them books and they're sitting up on the shelf gathering dust another 20 or 30 of them which are sitting around on the floor in varying degrees of completion. And so you'd come along to me and you'd say, oh, well, I've got this issue with uh, yada, yada, yada. And we'd go back to the source of yada, yada, yada. And we'd find out which one of those books related to that particular issue um, that you're working with. And what, what we're really looking for quite often is what I'm going to call the soul's unfinished business. How did you die at the end of that life what didn't you have closure for and that might be emotional stuff it might be thoughts it might be relationship issues there might even be a bit of physical stuff going on it's what happens nor normally at the death point sometimes there are significant points in a life um you know a bunch of months ago i had um, a lady who was really struggling with relationships in the current life and she'd she'd kind of been dating guys for about 10 years and she'd changed the face of the guy um every year but it's essentially she was dating the same type of person and we went back to it sorry that was years ago actually but um we went back to a life where um she was jilted at the altar well and she was still looking for that person so she had a really life-changing event which had totally altered the course of that particular past life and she was effectively still reliving that in many of her relationships she was still trying to make it with that guy oh and once that was uncovered it was easy enough to fix thereafter yeah she started dating a completely different type of guy her type changed i got an email from her about a year later and she was she was getting engaged and um hopefully that led to even better things very interesting so stuff business that we're looking for that's what it's all about it's about getting closure and it, it's not dissimilar to the current life if there's events in the current life i do a lot of work with the current life where we haven't had proper closure it's still reverberating in our subconscious it's sending out a vibration that attracts you know that same situation to come into our life as as something we have to look at hmm. You have a number of other qualifications and I suppose developed skills. There's one I, I read around Aura Soma Level Three Practitioner. Is that uh, pronounced right? Yeah, that's that's perfect. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, orosome is a color therapy that I've, um, I haven't done so much work with it recently, to be honest with you. You've, you've obviously read deep and deep and long on my website. I haven't done so much work with it recently, but it's essentially a color therapy. It's, um, it was uh, developed in 1984 um, by a lady who was registered blind, which is fascinating for a color therapy. It's, it's very much an intuitive thing. It's it's similar to working with high-powered essential oils. It, it's such a visual thing, Rob, that it's difficult to describe it in the in the quality that I could if we were standing in the same room, for example. But it's it, it's a very interesting area. I mean, colour obviously is so present in our everyday lives. Um, it's something that we choose around us. We fill our homes with color. Um, so, you know, a, a form of color therapy has more depth to it than that. But a form of color therapy is is really useful. You do workshops as well. I read about crystal bowls and pyramids. Can you can you talk a little bit about what's involved? In well, I work with, you know, I work with sound. Um, sound, I think, is a very amazing way of working with people. Um, and crystal bowls are part of sound healing, um, as are crystal pyramids. I also work with gongs. Um, sound healing, I think, is is part of the future um, as to how we'll, you know, I'm going to call it a type of medicine, energy medicine, um, how we'll work with our stuff. Really, obviously, sound, you're, you're going to hear something. As we're um, doing a little bit of audio, I might try and... Um, shout at the shout at the microphone and grab one in a second and um yeah i mean sound obviously it's what you hear sound is also a vibration and a lot of what i do or what every complementary therapist does whether they recognize it as such or not is work with, with the theory that everything is energy einstein said that Everything is energy just vibrating at different frequencies. So part of the idea of sound is that there's a vibrational aspect that goes on with it. And sometimes even, even over your, what are you, 500 miles away from me, sometimes people, as well as hearing it, sometimes they feel the vibration of it as well. Um, and the idea of sound is that it will help to remove blockages. You know, in the same way that people use acupuncture, for example, to and they put needles into the physical body to get the energy meridians flowing, sound achieves a similar thing. It can help to free trapped emotions. It can help with physical issues. It's a very pleasant experience. It's a very nice sound in general. Uh, sound also, I mean, our body, all of our organs vibrate at different frequencies. You know, if you invest in uh, your uh, your time and attention in what we call the chakras, all of our chakras have different frequencies attributed to them as well. This particular bowl is attuned to the heart chakra. So yeah, I mean, sound's a big part of what I do. I, um, I run, I do a lot of workshops. A lot of them are regression based, um, but I do quite a few sound workshops as well. Mm, very interesting. That's new one, new one for me. Um, and uh, it's good to kind of uh, put a bit of reality into it with the sounds coming through there. Uh, it being a podcast. When when somebody comes to you, do they typically come for a, one of your areas of skill, or or do they come and say, "Look, I have a problem," and through your conversation, through the hypnosis, you start figuring out which one is most suited to their problem? Yeah, I mean, it can be both. To be honest with you. 
It's um, typically people will come along with a problem or they might send an email and say, I've got this problem going on. What the heck can I do with it? What do you recommend? Um, they might ring up and say, ask the same questions. Sometimes they say, I need hypnosis. And that's that's where we go first of all. Sometimes, um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of what I do is a regression um, on the one-to-one -one basis. So a lot of people find me for regression. Do you have to have a specific... like? Well, I suppose going back to it, were you born with the ability to do this, do you think? Or can can it be just learned? Is there uh, innate skills underneath uh, all of this? I think all of this stuff can be learned, but I think some people have a, a natural proclivity to it, more of a natural proclivity towards it than other people. Um, I used to teach a lot of Reiki, and I, I always... You know, I used to sort of half joke with people that I wasn't really teaching them anything. I was just helping them to remember what they already knew um, at, a, at an unconscious level. And I think, I think there's a bit of truth to that. I think, but um, equally, I mean, you know, equally it can be learned. But I think the bottom line is um, you've got to have a calling to it. You've got to be something pulling you, perhaps that you don't fully understand as well. Um, you know, I used to get emails, not so much anymore, from people saying, um, do you think I could become a Reiki healer? I'm really looking for another job, and I, I thought Reiki might be a good idea. And for me, that's probably the worst basis for you to become a, a Reiki healer because it's not your obvious cho choice of profession in the first place. But um, you kind of got to feel it rather than um, think that it's a good idea. Yeah, I think uh, it's like I suppose a lot of professions that uh, you you have to be passionate about it as well, um, or you're not going to stick with it, right? Yeah, uh, I mean that's it. You gotta, you know, I think you know life can be uh, life can be very challenging at times, and you know these days we all spend a lot of our life working. But I think if you do what you love, and I think that makes your work a, a whole lot easier. Hmm. Do you deal with clients that have illnesses or like kind of? chronic diseases and things like that is there any of the the techniques you use help for that yep yep yeah. i work with people for um uh arthritis rheumatoid arthritis recently um uh depression um irritable bowel syndrome um chronic fatigue syndrome autoimmune diseases right quite high um i've worked with diabetes I'm, a, I'm actually a type 1 diabetic so i was asking that question with, with a loaded gun there <laughs> yeah, there you go it took me a while to get there but i got there um i um yeah i mean i remember you know all of think of it all as energy i i, I think it's very interesting because i think if you look around the world um what you see in many of the countries around the world is that health systems are struggling um, and what you also see when you look around the world is that you see many complementary therapies are on the rise and I, you know frankly I, I think that's that's not an accident it's come kind of great cosmic plan um, that we're moving more and more into a place where we're kind of taking more responsibility for our own well-being. And we we kind of know through statistics that a lot of disease is actually preventable. Um, you know, so um, I think it's kind of interesting that we're moving into that place where perhaps energy and energy medicine are becoming more prominent than what we used to have 
Um, and I think the two are very, they're very complementary. I think, you know, it's, um, I've um, recently been um, trying to get a bit of work to do some work with uh, multiple sclerosis, because I think that's, that's an area that would respond really, really well to both hypnosis and regression and perhaps sound healing as well. Um, and I think, you know, there's many avenues of what appear to be very physical stuff that would be very responsive to this kind of work, because at core, it's all energy. All energy. I had a, one of the first clients I ever worked with was a lady who had a she had an internal bleed in her stomach. And I can't remember what the condition was called, but she used to have to go to the hospital every three months to get it checked. And uh, she came along for a regression. And bizarre as it might sound, um, in the regression, she was being stabbed through the stomach. And so we did a bit of work around that. And there, it appeared as though there was a an implement, which I think might have been a knife or a spear. It was years ago, so I can't remember. And it had to come out. So it was pulled out. And when we do work like that, what actually happens is the electromagnetic energy field or the aura will get reconfigured. So the next time she went along to the hospital, they couldn't find the internal bleed. And, you know, stuff like that does happen. It's obviously like, like anything in life. It's not guaranteed. But a lot of, a lot of illnesses can respond. Mm. So it's inside-out healing almost there. Um, inside, you you got a really good name for it there, inside-out healing, yeah. Mm. Very, very interesting. Where, uh, I suppose, what are the other new techniques or skills that you're looking to add to your quite lengthy list if you go onto your website you can see the qualifications you have uh, you know there's is there new breaking uh approaches that that you're interested in you're looking at anything come up I mean, i'm always open to new ideas i think you know you you grow as a person um and you um you grow as um a practitioner who can help more people um, so yeah, I mean, sound I think is still relatively new and relatively growing. So that's a big area. I'm also sort of quite focused on um, issues as well. This this year, I or in fact for the past nine months, I've been doing a lot of work with people with money issues. I um, I run a workshop on a regular basis called Transform Your Relationship with Money. Um, you know, money's not everything in life, but it does underpin a lot of what we can where we can eat, where we can live, you know, where we go on holiday or if we go on holiday, all of that kind of thing. Mm. Um, so I've been doing a lot of work with money and I'm about to start doing a, an, online, um, an online series about um, how we can manifest more easily um, with regard to whether it's money, whether it's flow of life. So I'm kind of going down that route, one of the, not necessarily a new modality, but maybe just a new way of working or a new way of looking at things um slightly or just my take on a way of looking at things so i i think you know a lot of you know if people you know if i as a therapist go into a, a crowd i'm a bit like you i don't drink very much in fact i rarely drink um but if i go into a crowded bar and i stand on a on a table and start talking about what i do um by the time they finish laughing at me um a few of them who are interesting and say okay that's fine but what can it do for me you know, people are always interested in knowing how it can benefit them. So I tend to focus on, you know, relationships, on money issues, on I work with a lot of trauma as well. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of focused on the benefits 
as well as you know, I'm always interested in new therapies, but as you say, I got a lot of got a lot of arrows in the quiver already, so I'm I'm not running out and looking for them. But you know, new techniques that work with what I do already are always very well. A lot of the work you do can be done remotely. It can be done over phone or over Skype, as we're talking right now. Or is there certain um, that need to be in person? Some of it can be done over Skype. I don't I don't like the phone because I like to be able to see people. Yeah. You know, with the phone, you know, I, I suppose I could use hands-free, but yeah. Um, I like, so I like to be able to see people. Some people respond better than others to doing remote work. Um, regression is a little bit tricky because um, sometimes these past lives are not always pleasant, and sometimes people go into what we call catharsis, where there, excuse me, where there's some kind of ab reaction to what's going on. And it's way better to be able to be on the spot to manage that in person. But, you know, I do sometimes, well, I do work with people for aggression over Skype. Um, I am, I do refuse to work with people for aggression over Skype as well, not because there's anything wrong with them, but sometimes they've got too much stuff to be able to do it easily for their own well-being. Um but, you know, I work with people in Switzerland, in New York, in uh, Italy, in various other countries. So, yeah, I mean, it's doable. It depends on the circumstances, yeah. Would you say you have a very good work-life balance in what you do now? No, no, not at all. I'm, I'm, I'm totally, I love what I do. Um, so I have, um, my focus is very much more on work. I most of my friends are in a similar-ish line of business. Okay. So if I, when, I, when I go out with friends, I talk shop. Um, you know, when I, uh, when I go on holiday, I tend to go somewhere that might be interesting for me energetically or spiritually. So a large part of my work um, kind of overrides everything else. So I'm a little bit of a – yeah, I, I'm – I'm much more focused on work, I guess, because my 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 pleasure will be work related. Hmm. So you effectively then though don't get too stressed or or burnt out by doing what you do. Would that be fair? I can only work with so many clients during the course of the day. Um, I I know I know where my limits are. I think you know I've been doing this for about I don't know eleven twelve years whatever it is. So I know where my limits are with client work. Um, so I will kind of. You know, I'll, I'll manage that quite well. Okay. And can you can you apply the techniques on yourself to to, to kind of uh, solve any issues you might have or, or, or help you relax? Can you self hypnotize? Yeah. I I can definitely self hypnotize. I mean, I I use hypnosis every day. I, I've got an app, and without you know wishing to blow my own trumpet oh, too no. much, please app. do. Um, called hypnosis for transformation and cost 99 pence as a quick plug um you know i'll often be listening to stuff off my own app because i quite like it um it works for me um so um yeah i work with hypnosis on a regular i walk my talk i believe in what i do um you know if i if i do come across um you know you know we all have stuff that comes up i you know, I, I follow my own um, rules. Um, can I do it all by myself? The answer to that is no. Sometimes I go and see other people. 
when I've got stuff that needs working on. Sometimes you you just need, whether it's to kick up the backside from another person that you might not give yourself, whether it's another person's um, perception that you can't get through your own consciousness, whatever it is, sometimes there's tremendous merit in going to see somebody else. So I'm, you know, I, I can own that quite happily. Mm, it's interesting. Yeah, that uh, brings one up through the executive coaching, life coaching that I do. Uh, certainly doesn't go down the the routes you're in, um, but obviously I need to talk to others doing the same to unload myself. Uh, when you take a lot of stuff in, it it can be good to to uh, to get it out as well. One of the For things sure. one of the things about coaching I found is that there has to be a chemistry, a connection with the the client. Um, if that's not there, you tend to you would hope walk away if you don't think you're going to get much away from it or you're just not the right person. Do you find that as well in, in your work? Do you find people that you just know that you're not going to connect with? Do you get that aura from them? Yeah, I I kind of think, think there's a bit of a universal screening system going on. The universe will send me the right people. Everyone comes for a reason. I subscribe to that philosophy. Then, you know, every so often there will be a person you don't connect with. Um, I, I do my very best to build rapport. Um, you know, it's part of the skill set of a, of a good practitioner. And I think, you know, people get a feeling often if they're coming for something like regression, especially, they might do a bit of research or they might get the feeling that it's got to be you. I mean, I had a, a lady traveling from the other side of the country um, in the past few weeks and she said yeah i just knew it had to be you we worked well together to get her through her stuff so you know people often kind of respond in that way hmm. cool interesting so doug i know we're coming up to the hour so i want to keep it uh within that time frame uh just two more well one maybe main one you mentioned a book earlier as i said i always like talking uh, about books that you might recommend is there any other ones that you've read along the way that you've found very impactful that somebody could pick up and take something from well i'm gonna go for a cheap plug again rob um <laughs> i was waiting till the end to give you all the plugs but you're getting them in so <laughs> the book is called gifts for your soul and it's on the production line and it should be out with balboa press within the next two weeks okay gifts well. soul and it's a collection of simple healing techniques it's um really useful for people um so have a look at that one I have so many books. I've given away so many books that I've read over the years. Um, I really like um, concise, simple books. One of the books that I love that I buy every so often and give away to people is the um, a book called The Four Agreements. I don't know whether you've come across that by a um, it's called Don Miguel Ruiz or something similar to that, um, a Mexican guy. Um, I love that book. The um, the four agreements are really simple, and if everybody applied them to their life, you know, the world would be a better place. Um, yeah, I love that book. There's probably a few others. I love as well my favourite book, which I lent to a client, or one of my favourite books, which I lent to a client a couple of weeks ago, was um, The Tao of Pooh by Stephen <laughs> Hobb. So it's about it's about Winnie the Pooh in relation to Taoism. Okay. Um, a fabulous book it's all about not doing which i quite like you know you achieve a lot when you don't do and it talks about how winnie the pooh has the best life within the winnie the pooh story simply because he's he's not a doer he's more of a beer yes he's a, he's a being mm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes the the best thing to do is nothing at all, right? So, um, yeah, very cool. Yeah, no, that that's really interesting, Doug. I, I definitely got a lot out of it, and uh, it's a different view to the show, which is what I'm always looking to to try to do. Uh, I do like to end the show by giving you a chance to talk a little bit more about your website, some of the workshops, what's coming up. You mentioned the book, uh, how people can get in touch. So, so take it away there, Doug. Okay, so my website is www.dougbuckingham.com. Um, I do a variety of workshops. I, I haven't been doing it for the past 12 months or so, but I do travel to other places, to other countries to give workshops. If there's enough people there, then, heck, I love what I do, so I'll go anywhere, especially if it's somewhere I haven't been before. I do one-to-one sessions. People come to me from all over Europe, really. I get people from North America as well, all around the UK. I also work over Skype. I have an app which is my most accessible thing that I've already mentioned, Hypnosis for Transformation. costs 99 pence, and you get a bit of free hypnosis on it, plus some other paid-for stuff. And I'm going to be doing an online um, an online webinar on the 29th of March, um, which will be on my website within the next few days, but isn't at the moment. So you can, And I've got a Facebook page where Doug Buckingham Solutions for the Mind, Body, and Soul, and that's, I think, God knows how many million people or billion people are on Facebook these days, so that might be very accessible. I think it's, what, 2 billion people on Facebook now, is it? Yeah, I think they've hit the 2 billion mark for sure. And uh, we connected over Twitter as well, so so I'll definitely in, include uh, all of those things in, in the notes people can click into and uh, and follow up. Um, I think I'll... I'm not sure exactly on the date at which this will go out yet, but... Um, I'm looking forward to putting it out there and I think maybe as a shout out I know we talked about this at the start if if people come in with questions and if there was an appetite maybe to to have a, a second connection where we could have a Q&A session or something like that it might be something we could do in the future absolutely I, I'm really up for anything as I've you know as I've already said this is my passion I um I spend a lot of time on it so uh yeah why not? Why not? Let's see what what the universe throws at us. And Why? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Doug. Look, thanks so much for uh, your time this evening, and have a great rest of evening and and weekend, and best of luck uh, with the book coming out. Uh, I'm certainly looking forward to checking that out. Yep, I'll send you a link to it as soon as it's out. Brilliant. Yep. Good. Okay. Thank you very much indeed, Rob. I appreciate being invited and uh, you taking the time to ask me some good questions. And uh, yeah. Thank you. Very good. Have a great one. Thanks, Doug. All right. Ta-da. Good night. Bye-bye. So, how did you find it? A good show? Hopefully. Do take a second or two to let me know. And before you do, dive off just a couple of quick call-outs. The new podcast, the 864, 15 minutes long, in fact, 864 seconds is the aspiration, is now out and ready for listening. Check it out on the site. Go to the podcast page. There's a link for 864 there. Or go on to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. That would be awesome. The 864 is all you have to search for. And it's in all other podcast platforms that you can think of or should be. So, have a listen. Every week I release a One Minute Monday video Lip, which is also a tip to hopefully make you 1% better. Check that out. It's on the website on the video page. Did you also know that only about 1% 
of listeners to podcasts, not just my own, but all, leave a rating, leave a review, get in touch or give feedback. And I would love if we could book that trend and put it to 2% for this one. So please do take the time to give me a bit of feedback, give me some ideas about future guests or whatever the hell comes into mind. Just get in touch or rate or review the podcast on apple that helps i'm available at all of the social platforms pretty much all at rob of the green that's either with or without the at sign but you'll find it under that moniker so hopefully i'll hear from you there last couple of quick ones support so i do offer some pro bono coaching get onto the website the support page to get in touch few hours a month happy to do that and if you would like to support the podcast that would be awesome you can do so through patreon and also through purchasing books through the book page on the website that goes through amazon and we get a little percentage i'm not even sure what but it's something and finally just to say thanks for taking the time to listen to the podcast i know there's lots of other shows out there it means a lot that you're checking this one out so have a great rest of day week month year whatever it may be and hopefully you're getting one percent better as a result of these shows take care and good luck